0: Welcome to Water Experts Unfiltered, the podcast dedicated to digital innovations in the water industry. In each episode, we dive into specific water industry challenges with a Bentley expert and discuss technology solutions to real water problems. Learn why thousands of water infrastructure professionals use Bentley's hydraulics and hydrology software every day.
1: Well hello everyone, Sandra Matteo here from Bentley Systems here in Toronto, Canada. The topic for today's podcast is do we actually value water? What makes a city water wise and what technologies can help cities to be more water wise? We have with us from Lisbon, Portugal, Cecilia Correa. Welcome Cecilia. I know that you're going to be a regular here on Water Experts Unfiltered. But let's start with your background, personally and professionally, and how how has water affected you in your life?
0: Well, first of all, thanks Sandra for inviting me for this um, podcast. Uh, I'm a senior water resolution manager in Bentley, but my background is actually in water resources engineer. And you might think, okay, why water resources um, engineer? Um, first of all, I am from the Azores Islands, um, know if you know or any of you listening uh, know but it is in the middle of the atlantic and it is completely surrounded by all type of shades of of green vegetation and blue uh, uh, sea so clean lakes fresh water fountains and even hot springs and when i was growing up in the late 80s or even early 90s the environmental future predictions in tv series and movies were not that very positive it was actually very dark no food so food shortage the the sea would always look very dark and 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 contaminated so i remember you know being little and when going to bed thinking oh my god is this how the future will actually uh, uh, be but you know at the later stage when i was looking at courses to 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 engage with um I didn't want to go to civil engineer. My brother was there, but I was actually very interested in in the water and environment. So when I saw water resources engineer, it immediately took took my uh, attention because I wanted to really be part of this solution to actually support um, a more green or blue future, to, to say so. And I think Today we can all agree that the future doesn't look that dark or that bad. I think when we look, um, it's when we think about the future and future cities, we always think about being more bright, blue. and and I think many of us when we think about these really nice uh, cities for the future smarter, uh, we always we tend to put the water element as a first stage. Uh, Maybe it's just me that I come from the water industry, but I do think it looks um, much better. So that's why I engage in, in the water industry, because I think, I guess I'm a very positive person and I like to be engaged in challenges. I like that.
1: <laughs> for, for me living around the Great Lakes area in, in Ontario, we're we're definitely spoiled with an abundance of fresh water. I think even people, you know, take for granted water. You turn on the tap, yes. you know, water just flows, you know. But, but you think they don't think about the engineering and the technology that goes into you know water the broad water distribution system the risks the issues so so let's get into it then Cecilia with respect to water infrastructure what's the problem then in cities today?
0: Um, I wouldn't say the problem is only in the cities but um, more than half of the world's population today they live in cities um, and. We estimate that around 2050, um, it will be around 70% of this world population living in cities, which means that the pressure of having water or not only having water, but being able to use all the needs that we have around water will really be on the cities. And I mean, a city wants to be attractive, you know, it wants to be livable, so many times the municipalities and local governments they need to manage you know very wisely the land use urban infrastructures mobility water also uh, waste and i guess the bigger the city and the life quality the higher the pressure on the water resources and this means that you know water management also has even more pressure because people live in the cities they need water Sometimes we don't even think about all the water usage that um, that we have in, in the cities. However, what we have seen is also that the outlook is not looking really, really good. And I don't see, again, I, I see myself as a positive person and I don't see uh, this as a warning that everything will become bad in the future, but more as a warning in terms of we need to act now and today. So... We uh, um, just a couple of of, of months ago, there was this research um, for more that happened for more than one decade uh, and it was conducted by a group of students at the Utrecht Copernicus Institute for Sustainable Development. And they examined uh, water management in 200 cities around the world. And from those cities, only Amsterdam and Singapore were actually classified as water wise. Wow. And this is a uh, yes, this is impressive.
1: So then that's really interesting. So then I guess the question is what does make a city water wise? So you mentioned Amsterdam and Singapore, you know, why are these two cities can you tell us more about, you know, why are they were they classified then as water wise?
0: I think although only the two of them, you know, um, were uh, classified as this. I think many are working towards uh, that 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 goal, of course, because I mean I actually like the term wise. After all, is, after all, you know, being wise means that we have failed. We have made mistakes, but it also means that we have learned our lessons, and we are implementing these lessons. So, by being a wise city, it means that we have applied what we have learned with mistakes and failures, of course, to become more resilient. Um, and by resilient, we mean you know resilient to floods, to droughts, or even the challenges of growing water security. Um, climate change, you know, is accelerating. The need to become more resilient. um and water security is increasing. Um, and so this really connects to every aspect of the society development. We can no longer do things, you know, as we say, things as usual, right? We need to implement the things that we have learned in order to become more efficient, more 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 wise. This has a, a, a big, Um, impact on our well-being, social living, right? Um, So a resilient city or a wise city will be a city that is prepared to cope with challenges without collapsing in the face of an adversity, of course. And in case of water, it means that, you know, in terms of when there's a flood, our city will not collapse. It means that we have emergency measures. It It means that we have... Plan our city in a, in a way that we can actually deal with the flood, or even with the water demand increase or a water shortage, for example. So we do need to incorporate these things on our planning. In our stakeholders need to be aware of this.
1: So then it makes me think about then do you know do we really value water
0: as a society? Um. My short question will be no, but I think that also <laughs> depends, right? I mean well, for, we I have to for, learn from
1: our mistakes, I guess. That's
0: yes, <laughs> There's hope it for is, us. It is true. And it it sounds simple and it it should be a priority. However, that's not exactly how we see today. If you start asking people about the water, most of them don't even think about it. Uh, because you, as you said in the beginning you turn your, the tap and the water uh, is there also to um plan and reconstruct the city to adapt to these changes it means you know financial costs you need to spend money on 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 this type of con- uh, construction um the rehabilitation itself or the construction b- brings social and traffic constraints. People don't like this, of course. They don't want to be um there. And I think one of the reasons why they do not value a lot is actually because the water professionals are actually doing a very good job. So they're trying to avoid any flood. They're trying to have water as secure as possible they can so that people do not have any problem when drinking water at home. And so, usually because it is taken for granted, people just forget. I mean, in general, water is piped. If you think about, you know, the water that you have at your house, you don't see it outside, right? It it is piped. Um, So, and most of the infrastructure that is related to the water distribution system is actually buried, of course, or far away from the public eye, like if you think about a reservoir in in, in a dam. Um, so I think the success of our recent story, delivering secure water to everyone, has created this lack of perception and awareness for those who benefit from the services. And when I say, you know, recent history is because it was not that long ago when water was not that was not safe actually if you think about you know europe um many of the nice streets that you go walking today were like these big sewage streets so it was actually not safe to drink water and i sometimes uh, uh even joke with this because Uh, women pregnant, they actually had prescriptions from the doctors to drink beer because beer was actually (laughs) much more safe than actually drinking water. It, you know, it could cause diseases and you could actually lose uh, the baby. So they had the prescription in order to not get, um, uh, you know, some health issues. So that's why I say our recent, um, our recent history, of course. And, and we, owe this to our professionals, of course, because the more you avoid the problems, you know, the more the lack of perception uh, continues, of course.
1: So that the the lack of water, water scarcity issues, I mean, it is even a problem in developed countries. I mean, the pressure is mounting towards these, you know, the 2030 sustainability goals, but actually across the globe, even there are you know, important, you know, water scarcity issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I said about, um, in the beginning, you asked if we value water, and I said, you know, um, yes. But, and I said, hesitating, because it is not completely like this. When you think about, countries where they have water shortage, where they have consecutive floods, or even, you know, dry areas which limitates their their access to food, for example, because you need agric- for agriculture, you need water. In those countries, they do value water. I mean, even the last educated person will understand, you know, the the value of water and I was in this conference a couple of years ago where there was this person from an African country, I can't remember, uh, but they were very rich in oil. And I remember everyone, oh, you guys have oil. That's really good. And he said, can you drink oil? Because I need water. The water is the first thing. I I will not become rich just because I have oil. I need water. That's the only way I can actually become rich because I will have then the oil to do and and have the money, of course. But, you know, first thing is actually water. So I think, you know, this thing with water scarcity is something uh, that doesn't happen only in, in in. And today, it doesn't happen only on on undeveloped countries or developing countries. It it happens as well in developed countries because, as we said in the beginning, the pressure is becoming higher and higher in the cities. So sometimes I see people saying, oh, we have less water, it's raining less than before. But it's not completely like this. We will see that... um, Regionally, there are changes, of course, uh, due to claim, uh, 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 climate changes or, you know, just changes as, as as happened around the globe. But the cities are becoming bigger. And the bigger they become, you know, more population uh, uh, they have. And it is it, it becomes more evident that there are more impacts. And we can visually see that... For example, water levels have been decreasing in rivers. We can see um, dams that before had a very uh, uh, um, had a healthy level. Today they're very they can have a very uh, low level in a time where there's more shortage of water, and so they are actually overexploring some of these reservoirs or um, or even the the the, the quality of, of this water. So I guess in in one hand we don't not have enough, uh, we don't value enough the water. People always tend to think that they pay too much, but if you ask them, you know, if they're paying too much for their TV um, on demand, they will say, yeah, they can pay that one, but the water should be for free. I think the problems that we have seen in, in the last uh, years with this um, pressure on water is creating some awareness in the society for more. Con- I mean, people need to really think about their behaviors regarding the water use and Today, you see, oh, you should, you know, if you're brushing your teeth, you should just, you know, close the the, the tap. You see people more aware of of these type of, of water usage. And today they start demanding water management entities to manage water more wisely and efficient, of course. They cannot tolerate any longer that you have water losses in 40 percent, 50 percent. That is not something that people say, oh, yeah, that's OK.
1: So, yeah and yeah. they they really don't know the the extent of the issues or the severity of it so it's harder and harder to i guess plan and manage you know water resources but can you differentiate though you know the the issues of drought from you know water scarcity
0: Yes and it is important to differentiate both because sometimes you know it it um people ca- confuse both um I mean, a drought refers to a prolonged dry period, meaning that it, it, it it's not raining. So it's the lack of precipitation in the natural climate uh, uh, cycle that can occur. You know, anywhere in the world, resulting, of course, in water shortage. It can result in water shortage. If you have too much water, it will not. And and you need less water, it will not impact as much as in another area where you have uh, uh, less uh, reserves. But it means that um, it means that many times the governments will need to take some measures to reduce the impact of this sort this shortage. In case of it's a country where you really need more water. so the res- the reserves that you have are not enough to comply with the water uh, needs from that region, for example. In the other case, the water security is the lack of fresh water resources to meet the standard water demand. It's basically when water demand exceeds the available supply. And this could have two reasons. One is physical and the other one can be economic. The physical one is when there is not enough water really to meet all demands. Even if you had all the money to spend in infrastructure, you would still not be able to get because, you know, it's a physical uh, um, shortage. Then in case of economic water security, it is the result of lack of investment in the infrastructure or the technology to, you know, bring water from the rivers or aquifers or even other uh, water uh, sources to the population or for agriculture or for other uh, uses that are needed. And. This can happen, of course, because there's not enough water in face of an increased demand, of course. Um, but it can also be due to droughts or even due to a bad or unsustainable water management. For example, if we think about over-extraction of groundwater or contamination of water bodies, I mean, although you have you would have water you cannot use it, right, because you have overextracted or you have contaminated in a way that you can actually um, not use it. So water security is a global problem and it affects both, you know, developed and developing countries. And this is both natural and human-made phenomenon, as I said, you know, it could be because we are actually harming the system or it could be because we don't have uh, enough water so because if we think globally there is enough water um fresh water on the planet to meet populations demand however this is not you know evenly distributed as we know we all live in different areas we all you know some see raining every day others not so it does not rain everywhere aquifers are not the same everywhere so it is global and it is something that we need to think um when we want to solve these problems.
1: So I guess, you know, realistically or hardline, what you know, what are the impacts then on cities as such?
0: Um, I think one of the things that we have seen is that, you know, water security is much more than an environmental issue. It's very complex and it affects many sectors, um, usually extremely vulnerable to water. If you think about health, I would say that as the number one, but of course, economics plays a a really important role and also our social living, um, of course. From what we have been discussing, we can understand that, for example, agriculture is highly, highly affected by water shortage. Um, And this really impacts our living patterns and society. And sometimes people think, oh, yeah, but that's okay, right? I mean, it's just for irrigation as long as I still have water in my tap. But we forget that our food comes from agriculture. So this may impact our food security. Um, it can increase food prices, for example. And also the agriculture supply chain can be broken. So and ultimately, this can lead to poverty. So this is really an important impact of, water if we don't have enough water to comply with the demands. Um, But also in terms of industry, I mean, depending on the severity, of course, of the water scarcity, it can be impacted by contingency measures. And this can limit the use of water. For example, if you think about operational disruptions, um, financial losses, but also job losses. And when we talk about job losses, we always talk again about poverty, about not being able to buy food. So all of this is really Um, interrelated of course. So I would mention that, and as I stated before, for me the most important of all is even human health. I mean, after all, how much does it cost human health and life? Can we put a number on it? I don't think we can. Um, So water security, a shortage can compromise water quality and also limit our hygiene habits. And this has consequences um, in the development and Proliferation of diseases, of course, and there's also another aspect in in terms of the sectors that use water and use a lot of water, which is on the energy production. And of course, today we think about energy like solar panels, windmills, but there are still a lot, uh, many dams around the world and nuclear plants that depend directly on water abundance to produce. And we cannot forget. Some people may be against it, but it's still there, and it 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 needs to be addressed, of course.
1: Yeah. So this makes me think about regulation as well. There's a lot of pressure on utilities in terms of uh, um, regulations. I want to get to technology as well and how that helps. But can we t- talk? Tell it talk a little bit about um, you know global sustainability and and uh, and the regulations and how that affects the cities and people and you know and the utilities.
0: I always like the topic about regulation because I think a lot of people see regulation as the bad cop that only comes to, you know, get you some uh, uh, fines because you're not performing well. Um, Maybe because I started in the environmental agency, I have always looked at regulation actually as something that can support us to have a better living. I mean, from, you know, the scenario that we have been talking until now, it becomes very evident that you know, global sustainability in cities- need the support from different stakeholders. You cannot just be a water utility and or be a water professional- and think that you can solve things. There are numerous commitments and agreements- such as the ones related to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. But meeting them will always be a political choice. So, I mean, it's up to us as individuals- and the society, right, to demand that, you know, we actually implement measures that um, support the, 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 I mean, support the water-wise programs, right, because regulation, I mean, should be the one promoting different measures to address water security to incentive uh, consumers to save water, of course, and also to use it more more wisely. And I mean, there are different types of, of, of regulations, right? Um, we have the economic regulation, which will provide some structured framework for managing the water, um, like the water pricing to reflect the full cost of water, but also regulate water management with efficiency standards, for example, and programs obligating water management responsibles to embark in efficiency programs for leak detection, water audits, integrated optimization, I mean, water quality discharge um, standards. I was just talking at the beginning how, you know, before uh, people, the, the future was seen very dark with rivers contaminated. I mean, if today they are not as contaminated as they have been in the past, it is because of regulation. Regulation has imposed some standards that organizations are obligated to at least maintain some kind of quality. Of course, people can say, and and listeners can say, oh, I have so many examples of where this is actually not working. And my question would be, do you have a regulator in place? Is actually, you know, the governments and the people who should be um, uh, dictating these regulations are they doing their work? Because maybe they're not. And again, I say it's up to us as a society to demand these type of measures. But regulation will really um, set up the stage um, so that cities can become really more resilient. I mean. But of course, when you think about regulation and just like I was giving the example of, for example, a discharge in, in, in a river. What is that is actually saying you can put this quantity or not? It's data, right? They're measuring, they're calculating and, you know. Any regulation will need to be backed up, is actually not in the future, but is backed up by data. And this is what will enable diagnosing, do scenario management, and also reporting to support decision management. I mean, you really need to have this information so that you can say, no, with that quantity, we will have really a very high concentration of of uh, uh, um, contamination, but if you can reduce, you actually, you know, the river can actually support that quantity and it would will out to clean itself, you know, by being in a, a, a complete ecosystem. So that's why I think regulation is um, is a friend. <laughs>
1: that's a good way to look at it but really it's then data we need to talk about data and technology obviously you need technology to manage all of that data how how do utilities get more efficient and effective with technology you know to manage this data and to be and you know to help cities to be more
0: water wise well as as we have seen as the world grows in population climate changes conflicts, um, because water generates a lot of conflicts, by the way, Um, I think technology, and especially technology that is interoperable, they will be crucial to connect cities and natural resources as water, for example. And as we have seen before, I mean, while the regulation will, you know, play their part by dictating prices, standards, backed presses, practices, or even incentives and this can be through the form of funds or penalties, I mean, both of them will work. (laughs) Uh, Cities and utilities, they will still have to deal with their own existing systems. And we know that most of them, I mean, we have seen this, right, if only from 200 only, two were water-wise, most of them are not very efficient or nor even sustainable. So it will be, you know, the technology providers who will need to set up, I mean, and bring their innovative solutions to help address and comply with those requirements so that cities can actually become, you know, wiser, more resilient. And to explain a little bit how this works, as we have seen before the information about the data, I mean, the first step towards any accomplishment starts always with measuring and monitoring. If you do not measure, you cannot know. I remember a couple of years ago when we were discussing, you know, some uh, water analysis and some samples where they were analyzing some things and there was no information about a certain uh, aspect. And the guy started laughing and he said, we didn't measure it. So it's not in our water. You can only see, you know, what do you look for? So first thing, you actually need to really measure so that you can, you know, understand what you have and then monitor to understand how it's actually involving. And so that organizations can you know, identify, but also prioritize the areas where they need to focus first. And by collecting this data, I mean, it's not just collecting the data, right? Because today, uh, I think a couple of years ago, and when engineers started, if you would go for, if you start a project, they would say, I don't have enough data. I think today they would change to, I have too much data. So the data today is available, but you need to transform that in, uh, that data into information. So data one is one thing and information is another one. And I mean, to support planning, to analyze different scenarios and, you know, so that management can decide the best strategy and prioritize water management projects. You need to understand what that data is telling you, and that will be the technology providers who will be able to put their knowledge and their expertise into the solutions, so that the utilities can actually really prioritize this water management uh, projects to become uh, wiser and. As I said before, you know, to become wise, it means that you have failed in the past. And I don't think there's any problem with that. Um, I think the problem is when you don't uh, implement the lessons learned. So to become wise, I think it's very important that we incorporate our learnings and, you know, to avoid that we fail again and we do the same same mistakes. So wise and sustainable cities will really rely on these digital solutions such as what we call today, the digital twins. Maybe tomorrow we'll be called something different, but it is the integrated approach, which considers the interconnectedness of various sectors and stakeholders with continuous improvements towards efficiency. And the idea is that you can optimize the system and your operational related decisions. I mean, you cannot rely on You need to rely on people to bring their knowledge, of course, but you cannot rely only on people to take the best decisions because, you know, they're not computers and they're not able to bring all the data together at once and to bring with the most, uh, uh, um, the best solutions to say so. So I guess that when it comes to technology, I mean, in Bentley, we're very proud to proud to be at the forefront of this innovation with our digital solutions, as I have explained before, which is covering the complete water cycle needs that we need. And it needs to be, this is something that I think it is the future, it needs to be open and interoperable. It needs to connect cities and the infrastructure itself. I mean, we need to really transform the way we manage the cities and I mean, that's the only way so that we can support stakeholders' decision-making and setting the pace to ensure sustainable and resilience um, if we want to move towards transformation of wise and water cities. Um, and this is actually one of the things that we have um, been doing. I mean, we have been gathering our teams to develop software that can support this integration and interrelation between areas and sectors with our ITWIN experience, for example, and this is very important in a way that all the things that we have seen before and the descriptions. this is where really technology will play a really important um, role in the future, not only in the future, I would say today already. So one of the, and this is how we see, of course, but I would actually like to leave a question to our industry users and listeners, which is, where do you want our industry to be? Where do you want it to be today and in the future, if we can say so? For me, I want it to be smart. I want it to be wise and especially agile. I don't want to happen something today and we just act tomorrow. I want us to be able to you know, be organized, automated. We need to predict outcomes with higher accuracy. So we need to be agile. That's my um, that is how I see that it should be so but I would really love to hear from the audience what they think about.
1: Well that's great. yeah I mean, thank you for opening our eyes, so I guess our ears, <laughs> Cecilia, <laughs> on the issues and uh, I know we just really scratched the surface to talk about um some of the things that need to be done. so I I invite you back you know to future podcasts to talk with other bentley experts on uh you know visual twins and measures of efficiencies and you know the water policy and regulation i know that's a huge topic and Mm -hmm. the connection to SDG goals and and even just you know talking about better connecting uh cities Um, as well, with respect to our water infrastructure. So thank you so much for, for being here today, and we'll see you again. Thank you
0: very much, Sandra. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more with Bentley's experts, helping you solve real water problems
1: with real technology solutions.